Philippians 1.21 says, For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Been chewing on that verse uh, over the last bit and comparing it to uh, our culture that's said to be narcissistic. Now, <laughs> that term basically means to be self-absorbed. Um, the, the story goes uh, in Greek mythology that a man named Narcissus looked into a pool of water and fell in love with his own image. And uh, so that's, that's the basis of that term. Um, today he would have been taking pictures of himself <laughs> because everybody looks good when you take pictures, you know. <laughs> do the hair flip and take another. No. A little hard to do with mine, but... Uh, the... Uh, but I've, I've been looking at that and saying, okay, if that's the, the label given to my culture, how is that coming out in my life? And in contrast to a guy like Paul that says, to die is gain. He, he believes of something more important after death that it controls the life that he's living. He's so absorbed with the future that it, it affects everything he does. So that while he's sitting in jail, it's no big deal to him. He's going, I, I assume I'm going to get out because there's more that I need to do. But uh, my choice, I'd like to die and be with Christ. And, and to, to let that become truly a part of our thinking, then we have to go back through and say, okay, where, where am I self-absorbed in things? It's like the, the marriage partner that goes and buys something for themselves without any kind of consultation with their mate and just, you know, it's just like, well, it's for me. You know, I, I deserve this. Think about the time we start using the term deserve. Uh, we're probably participating in that narcissistic behavior. Um, you know, I haven't really bought anything for myself in a very long time. Or, I, you know, and you start walking through and just saying, okay, what? I know it's Christmas time. Maybe I should go to the time usage. You know, I, I need some time for myself. You know, I, I've been all, but it's time to take care of me. It's that kind of thing that I don't see a part of his thinking. Um, I'll read you a Google definition, narcissism. Excessive or erotic interest in oneself and one's physical appearance, vanity, self-love, self-admiration. <laughs> yes, thank you. Self-admiration, self-absorption, self-obsession, conceit, self-centeredness, self-regard, egotism. I'm just trying to contrast that with some of these. Says to live as Christ, to die as gain. And, it, and, and they're polar extremes, right? And so how do, we, how do we place ourselves in a position where we're actually thinking about the future in heaven? When's the last time you went through and read the passages in Scripture regarding heaven? Might be a good start. You know, Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 10. 
Isaiah 6, Revelation 4 and 5, 21, 22. You know, those, there's, there's a number. But it's, it's one of those things like if I, if I have no thought toward heaven, it's probably not going to change the way I'm doing things here and, and now. Um, so let's walk through a few of these. Um, Philippians 1.20, right before this verse, he says, I eagerly expect and hope that in no way to be ashamed, but I'll have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. So he's not worried about the conditions of jail as much as he's worried that he might not show courage in the moment when it comes to life or death. He's just saying, I want to live this thing well to the very end. Then for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. So he says, I have this, this dream of being with him. He's, later in that same passage, he says to them, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So he says, what we've bought into and what we participate in is so valuable that we want to this to be the focus of our lives. In the 28th verse, he says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed. So he's looking at two completely different paths. He says, there is a wrath of God coming for those who don't worship him and serve him. But there is a joy coming for those that are participant in his kingdom. He says, you want to put your energy into that. For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Colossians chapter 3, he, he kind of conveys this same idea. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So you have this hope, he says. In view of that, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He starts giving a list. He says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So he says, there's this tension going on in our lives. He says, what, what our earthly nature craves is not what's appropriate with the cravings of heaven. And he says, you have to make your choice and chase these things. He says, you used to walk in these ways, but now you must rid yourself of all such things. He says, that was your lifestyle before, but when you came to Christ, there was a turning. You've put on the new self, being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. In 2 Corinthians, he makes his declaration. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. 
said, I had this encounter with God. And obviously, from the scripture we've been reading, it says it changed everything that he did. So, when's the last time you prayed to have a heavenly encounter? I started praying that way. Well, why not? What's the worst? He says no. You know? Why not say, God, I, I, I want one of those encounters. There's other guys that have had them. Why not for me? Because the knowledge is that the, the clearer understanding I have of what's in store that way, the better the, the opportunity of me to live my life the way that it needs to be lived here. This was out of Isaiah. The year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled a temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings, and two wings covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. He becomes undone in this situation, and I tend to get distracted by the seraphs and go, eyes here, eyes there. But what overwhelmed him was the amazingness of what he stepped into. And he's all, the only word that comes to mind out of it is holy, holy, holy. Ezekiel, chapter 1 and, verse, and chapter 10 have similar things, but it says he, he has this encounter. Above the expanse of their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire. High above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And that from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And then when I saw it, I fell face down. So again, he steps into something so amazing. His response is just, I don't know if I'm going to live through this thing. Revelation chapter 4. This is written by the disciple who walked with Jesus. But still, after that, and after the resurrection is having encounters with God that is blowing his mind. Once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald, and circled the throne. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. The sixth verse, also before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. These guys are describing similar things, but they're all overwhelmed by the encounters that they're having. It says, day and night of those surrounding the throne, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now here's the astounding thing. You have people recording these experiences that they're having with God. But God's intent is to pull humanity into 
a living situation with him. It describes a new heaven and a new earth in, in Revelation chapter 21. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And the very final picture you see is this blending of humanity with God. That's our hope. That's what we live toward and for. 2 Peter says this, In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So I guess I encourage you, even during this season, put your attention on the appropriate things. Focus on what is eternal. Look forward to that day of being united with Him. And some of these other things that are surrounding us that we're so prone to will fall away. I had an awesome Christmas this year. Two of the guys thought they were buying for me. <laughs> Not often that happens. <laughs> I'm just carnal enough to have enjoyed that. Uh, but I, I have had Christmases where I ended up, after all the gifts, feeling sorry for myself because I didn't get quite what I thought was for me. That's self-centered. That's self-absorption. We don't want to be trapped in that. We want to look and say, what is ahead is more valuable than anything we'll encounter here. So Lord, we commit our lives to that and you. Father, we thank you for your scriptures that describe the wonder of heaven and of your kingdom. And we pray, let that be stronger and stronger in our hearts. And I pray for different ones in this congregation that they too would have heavenly encounters. Desire that for myself. And that we would walk similar to Paul and we'd say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. We'd be strong enough in our hearts to know that there's nothing more valuable than being united with you.